Pastor Javen begins a new series today called Shape Up, where we will look at our spiritual formation. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Father, we thank you for this moment. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we we come together and just worship you. And thank you for all that you've done, all that you are. God, give Pastor Javen the words to say this morning. Lord, help us to be receptive of your word. Lord, help us to not only hear your word, but help us to apply it in our everyday life. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time. We give it to you in your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Caleb. Well, good morning. Has anyone ever told you before that you needed to shape up? (laughs) Yeah, I've been told that a couple of times in my life. Um, Typically... Typically when that phrase is uttered to us, it's, it's telling us that there's some kind of adjustment in behavior that needs to take place, right? Um, there's other ideas, thoughts that can come to our mind when we hear the phrase shape up. Maybe this image came to your mind when you heard shape up. Uh, maybe that came to your mind. You better shape up, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you grease people, you, you thought of that. Uh, maybe you've heard the phrase before, shape up or ship out. Maybe Maybe you've... Use that phrase before. Um, around this time of year, you know, the beginning of a new year, we're typically thinking, I need to shape up. Well, hopefully you're not thinking that I need to shape up. I think that I need to shape up. And you think that you need to shape up, right? Because we, we say, well, yeah, you know, things went through the year and, and I got off track in my exercising and eating and all that. So I need to get better at that. So January is always that time. And if you are one... I know the younger generation does this. If you are one that scrolls Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, TikTok, I'm not endorsing any of those media outlets. But if you do scroll those, you've probably seen videos like this one right here about going into the gym on January 1st. Maybe. Yes, just get that workout in, buddy. You're doing a great job, right? (laughs) If you didn't know, those were all the wrong ways to do those exercises. Um, (laughs) Form is everything. Uh, But anyway, um, no matter how we use it, we know that the connotation that comes from the phrase shape up means that there's an awareness that there's some type of development, some type of growth that needs to take place in our life, right? We're starting a new series today. And obviously it's called Shape Up. And we're looking over these next four weeks about our spiritual formation. And specifically what Jesus teaches about spiritual formation through his lessons, through his teachings, through his his example, through the culture and the time of his life and what he lived. We're going to see over these next few weeks what it looks like for our spiritual formation to take place. Spiritual formation is simply our process in growing as a follower of Christ and becoming more like Christ.
Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. Now, there is a danger that really quickly right off the bat, before we go into this whole series, I want us to, I want to make aware and I want us to understand there's a danger that, that comes in this where we put too much focus our own, in our own effort and ability to do certain things and to do them right constantly and continuously. Because what happens is when we focus on our own ability to do and our own ability to maintain a certain behavior, when we do have moments where the behavior doesn't seem to line up with what we hear at church, what we read in a Bible study, what we hear somewhere from other Christians, then what happens is we begin to think that, you know, well, I'm not worthy to be. I'm incapable of being a follower of Christ and to, to live up to the example that Christ has given us. And so what, what tends to take place is we begin to have this, if, if we're constantly focused on our ability and our efforts, we have this works righteousness faith instead of a faith that produces works. There's a difference. There's a difference in that. If we have a works righteousness faith where we're constantly focused on our ability and our effort to produce works that give us righteousness, then basically what we're doing is we're saying that our worth as a follower depends on my work as a follower. But Jesus has called us worthy through the cross before we were sinners. Christ died for us. And I love the way Tim Keller, a pastor and author, kind of concises this whole thought and this concept. He says, religion says this, religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. But the gospel says I'm accepted, therefore I obey. My obedience comes out of my acceptance and my love for God. Paul, when he wrote his letter to the church of Galatia, they seem to be struggling with this in some way. And in fact, there was those coming into the church and they were misleading them, putting them making them put their focus more back on the law than the grace of which Jesus had offered them. So Paul writes this letter and we see him make, ask this question, Galatians chapter three. He says, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy spirit by obeying the law of Moses? In other words, did you have to do certain things for God to give you the promise that Jesus said was going to come when he left this earth? Jesus told his followers, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit when I leave. So did you, do, did you get the Holy Spirit because you kept obeying the law of Moses? And he would say the same just in general about salvation. In his letter to the church of Ephesus, Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said, you are saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. It's nothing that you do to earn salvation. Because if you do, he's saying you don't earn it because no man can boast then. The only thing you boast in is in that Jesus saved you and what he did on the cross. So he's saying, did you get it by doing all these laws? Of course not. You received the spirit because you believed the message you heard about through Christ. And then he goes on, he says, how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit, after starting your walk with God, after starting your relationship with God, how foolish can you be? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? So in other words, their motives and their push for doing the things that they do in their life, it's, it has a, it's driven the wrong way. And he goes on later in his letter, we see it in Galatians chapter five. He tells them this, what's important is faith expressing itself in love. 
That's what's important. Everything that you're doing in your walk with God is a faith expressed in love, through love. There's a difference in trying to grow in your faith through a place of love versus trying to grow in your faith and do things just to make yourself look good. There's a difference. And Paul is pointing out, look at what he writes to the church of Philippi, Philippians chapter one. He says, I'm certain that God who began that good work in you, he's going to continue his work until it finally is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. A couple of things here. See, God is working in you. It's not about you working in you to make you something some way. Let God work in you. And notice he said, until the day, he's going to keep working until he comes back. Are you, so what does that mean? That means you are not going to arrive. Okay. Just let that come off of you. Let, I can breathe. I'm not going to be perfect. But if God is going to work in us, then how does that happen? Well, he keeps going in his, in this letter to the Philippians. And he says this, I pray. And this should sound very, if you were here last week, if you watch, listen online, this should sound very similar to the prayer I told you. Let's make this our prayer in 2023. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding out of what? Out of love. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by who? By Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. In other words, Paul is telling them, just grow more and more in a love for God and in the knowledge of him. And as you do, He'll begin to produce what needs to be produced in you. And the outward flow from your life will result from the love you have in growing in him and the knowledge of him. There's difference. There's a difference in what Paul seems to be saying. And Paul is telling the church of Galatia, your desire is important. Why are you wanting to do? Why, why are you doing the things you're doing? Are you doing them out of a love for God? Or are you doing them for selfish reasons? That's why marriage is such a beautiful example and illustration that God gives us in regards to our walk and our faith with God and in, the, in regards to the body of Christ and Jesus. Is there any such thing as a perfect marriage? No. Even, I, I, even if you ask a couple that have been married for 60, 70, or more years, they would tell you, I'm sure, that there are things that they went through. My, my parents were married for 50 years and I lived with them for several of those 50. So I know because she had to live with my dad. So I know <laughs> everything wasn't always hunky dory. Why? Because do we still have selfish tendencies? Yes. And it's the same thing in our walk with Christ. There's still selfish tendencies that we battle. But the reason marriages continue to work is because there's a love for the spouse that pushes you to grow in your, in, in your relationship with one another. I'm pointing this way because my wife's over here. In, in relationship with one another. And as we grow in that relationship, even in the hiccups and, and my stubbornness and stupidness that gets in the way, we grow in that marriage. 
and in our love for one another. And it's the same with our walk and our faith in God. Our behavior, our methods and spiritual formation, they have to come out of a love for God. So, one of those methods of growth and spiritual formation that, that Jesus teaches us, I mean, very obviously teaches us, demonstrates and teaches and shows us that we need to have as a part of our life and growing in our relationship with the Father is the discipline of prayer. Now, I know I talked last week and gave you a prayer to pray for 2023. But as we look at our spiritual formation and our walk with Christ, I want us to understand why prayer is important. Because the more we grow aware of God's love for us, the more we see the need for a consistent ethic or ethos or culture in our life of prayer. Where we live it out every day. Prayer is critical to our spiritual well-being. The more we pray, the more we are drawn to connection, communion, and dependence on God. I love this statement from Samuel Chadwick in, in a book he wrote called The Path of Prayer. He says this, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from prayer. Our enemy fears nothing from prayer, prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power. Prayer brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. It brings God. There's no power like that of prevailing prayer. In other words, if you cut yourself off from prayer, you cut yourself off from the power of God in your life. And so Jesus... In one of his most famous settings, we, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching to the crowd and he's talking to the crowd and his disciples. And he begins to teach them how to pray. And begins to talk to them about what prayer looks at. And he basically tells them the effectiveness of your prayer is not determined by how much you do it. By how eloquently you do it. But that you love to do it. And here's the thing. When you love to do it, the more you'll do it. (laughs) And when you love to do it, your communication and prayer gets better. It's just like in a marriage relationship. It gets better. And right before this section where Pastor Caleb read for us this morning from Matthew chapter 6, which is known as the Lord's Prayer, typically... He's teaching them and he's telling them about different ways that we shouldn't be. (laughs) He's telling them about these wrong motives in prayer. He's saying that, you know, the people that are making these prayers are trying to make themselves look good. They think their prayers are answered by the type of words they use and how many words they use and that work and the effort they put in to their praying. But they have a wrong desire for the motive of why they pray. And, and basically what happens if we fall into that is, and, and these guys fell into that category and they, they fall under this description that the prophet Isaiah gave and that Jesus quoted. He said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
And Jesus calls this group of people, the people that do this kind of stuff, he says they're hypocrites. What he's literally saying, because the word that he would use there is, is a word that says they are actors. They are putting on a show. That's what a hypocrite meant in that day. This means the same today too. But it would literally reference an actor in a play. They're wearing a mask. They're putting on a show. And what, what's taking place is, is he's saying prayer is part of their life, not because... They are attempting to grow spiritually. Prayer is a part of their life because they're attempting to appear spiritual. And that's a difference. And we have to be careful not to fall into that same trap. So Jesus goes into his teaching and he tells them about their focus of prayer and what it needs to be. And notice that he didn't say, when Pastor Caleb read that passage, if you're looking, he didn't say, pray this prayer. Now, can you pray the Lord's Prayer? Absolutely. If Jesus prayed that prayer, it's a powerful prayer. There's nothing wrong with praying that prayer. Pray the prayer. But he said, pray like this. In other words, he was saying, pray in this way. Pray in a manner that relates to how I'm about to teach you to pray. The difference in understanding that is if you only pray that prayer, great prayer, Keep praying that prayer. But if you only pray that prayer, then what prayer becomes is a ritual. But if you understand the depth behind the prayer and what Jesus is teaching through that method, you understand it's about a relationship. God intends that we speak with him. He has invited us into an intentional relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And so the very first thing that Jesus is trying to get us to understand and get us to see is that there is an importance in cherishing and cultivating the relationship we have with the heavenly father. If you could use one word to describe God, what would that word be? I mean, there's so many words that we could use, right? And if you walked on the streets and you asked that same question, you'd get a ton of different answers. Probably some answers you wouldn't agree with. So many words that we could use. And Jesus could start his prayer with so many words to describe God. And he starts his prayer by saying, our Father. Our Father. Because he wants us to understand the importance of realizing that God is a heavenly Father who loves us. Seeing God as a Father is important in the foundation of the formation of our faith. Understanding that he is a father. In a book called the Life, uh, in, in called Life, God, and Other Small Topics, the author of that book points out that many of the popular atheists of history, they had bad relationships with their fathers. Freud, Huxley, Voltaire, Hume, just to name a few. They had bad relationships with their fathers. Your view of your earthly father is one of the weightiest factors in the development of your faith. You were created for a heavenly father. That's why Paul also in his letter to the church of Galatians, Galatians chapter four, we see it. He says that spirit that God gave you, he said that spirit's on the inside of you crying out, Abba, Father. He's pushing you towards understanding God is your father. And he loves you. When a relationship with an earthly father goes bad, 
If an earthly father rules you in a way that is abusive, that's selfish, demeaning, or even abandons you, what happens is you begin to hate that father and understandably so. And then when you hear that God is a father, you want to hate God. But the truth of the matter is what you really hate is the spirit of evil that controls that behavior. And that's a spirit that is against God and that has separated this world from the father. It's not God you hate. It's the spirit of this world that controls that behavior. When I think of my relationship, I've been a child and I'm a father. And oftentimes I know that there's this prevailing thought that goes in our heads. If all dad wants to do is dad wants to keep me from getting everything I want. And dad wants to keep me from having fun. And if dad wasn't, if I could get around dad, if dad could go on vacation, go on vacation for a few weeks, if I could just get away from him telling me I can't do that, life would be so much better. But the problem is, and, and we do this with God because we think God's trying to keep us from getting what we want. But the problem is we are woefully unaware of how much we need our father. We need an earthly father. If we don't have a father, we need a father figure. It's important in our life. But you also need your heavenly father. I love the Psalms. If you read the Psalms, you see spiritual formation taking place left and right in people's lives. And I love this Psalm here in Psalm 63, verse 1. This says, Oh God, you're my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in a parched, weary land where there's no water. That is a desire that should be in our heart because we need the Father. We need to understand that a relationship with the Father is not a relationship that exists because we need something from Him. It's a relationship that exists because we just simply need Him. So Jesus says, pray, our Father. Then He says, to understand the holiness of your Father. Because what happens sometimes in prayer is we can lean one of two ways. We become uh, too casual, too informal. We, we treat God as our homeboy. Or we become too formal. <laughs> and we're trying to use all these really big words that we don't even know the meaning of. To talk to God. When it's really just a balance of respect and reverence. With personalness. Remember what we read a few weeks ago, if you were here in our King series, we talked about Jesus and the author of Hebrews says that his prayers were heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus knew God as the father. He loved him as his father. He had a relationship with that as, as his father, but he respected him. He reverent him and he, he, he had that mentality when he approached him. And then going on in this model of prayer, Jesus teaches us the importance of redirecting our life and reorienting our life around God's kingdom, his purposes, and understanding that he's sovereign and he is in control. Now, I know that there's this question that comes out. Well, if God is sovereign and everything works according to his will and God knows everything, then why do we pray? 
Lori was referencing that instance that happened with Darren Helmlin last Monday night. And maybe you knew what she was talking about. Maybe you didn't. It was a horrific. I told my family, my youngest was watching that game. And I said, I've never in all in my years of watching sports, have I ever seen that? And it bothered me some. But I remember looking at Twitter because I was like, Lori, I was looking for all these different things. And I remember seeing someone tweet this. It was in that trending category where you see everybody's tweets. And they said, why, why are you praying to God? If God wanted this to happen and let it happen, why do you think he's going to answer your prayer to healing? That's the question that many people ask. Well, I guess you've seen that answer now. Because God has a bigger purpose. God can take anything. I love the way David Platt answers this question. He says this, when we pray, we take our God-given place, use our God-ordained privilege to participate with him in the accomplishment of his purposes on the planet. We are where we are by the design and plan of God to proclaim the promises of God in the exact places that he's put us. You are in the family that you are in to proclaim the promises of God in that family. You work where you work to proclaim the promises of God in that place of work. Every relationship that God has allowed you to be connected with, God has appointed those relationships in your life so that you can proclaim the promises of God on those relationships. Throughout scripture, we see in so many different places where something is acting, but when people pray, God changes his course. Abraham pleaded with God over Sodom and Gomorrah that those who were righteous would be spared and those who were righteous were. When God's wrath was coming down on the people, Aaron ran out in prayers and stood in the middle. We talked about this a few weeks ago and he was there. God's wrath stopped and there he was standing in the middle of the living and the dead. But God's wrath stopped because of his prayers. Daniel was put, we talked about this in our series, Daniel was put in the place he was put. He went in there and he was captive, but he constantly prayed. And in his time of prayer, he, it seems to be that he saw a life in Nebuchadnezzar, a ruthless ruler, change and be transformed by the glory of God. You never know what your prayers can do when you proclaim the promises of God. So don't, don't look at this book as just a textbook to learn. Look at this book as a book of promises to proclaim. And when you understand and you see those promises, begin speaking those over everybody that God has placed in your life and align yourself with the values of God. God, let your will be done on this earth. Align yourself with the values of that kingdom of love, of forgiveness, of truth, of grace, of healing, of restoration. And as you do, as you line yourself up with everything about the kingdom of God, you begin to see those things lived out. And then Jesus goes on and he begins to teach us about our dependence on God. God, give us today what we need for food. That's not a prayer of abundance or excess, right? God does want to bless you, but it's a prayer of God. I am dependent upon you. But Jesus, think about this. Jesus also said, I am the bread of life. He said, no man should live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of of God. That means that we are completely dependent on God for every aspect of our life, our physical sustenance, everything in our life. We are physically and spiritually utterly and completely dependent upon God. And then lastly, in this method of prayer, 
he begins to teach and he begins to show that everything about our life, we need to be a people who give, receive, and rely on the grace of God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. To, to realize this is to realize that we are the importance. We are a people that need forgiveness. We have to start there. If we don't ever think there's anything wrong in us that needs forgiving, then that's a roadblock. We are a people that need forgiveness. And that's why we have to depend on God's word. You go back to the utter dependence on God's word. Look at what Paul wrote to Timothy real quick. He wrote this thing. He said, all scriptures God breathed and it's useful for teaching, Timothy. Okay, that's great. Teach. I like, I like to learn new things. It's good for teaching. Then look at what he tells you. It's good too for rebuking. Wait, what? I don't like to be rebuked. Well, that's what God's word is. Sometimes it's going to rebuke you. And it's also going to do this. It's going to correct you. Well, I don't like correction. Well, remember what Solomon wrote in his Proverbs? He said, he who hates correction is stupid. I quoted that to my kids one time. It didn't go very well. That's what the word of God is for. It's going to teach you. It's going to rebuke the things in your life that you, that shouldn't be there. And it's going to correct you and cause you to see the way that you need to turn. And then he says, it's training in what? Righteousness. That's why you grow and you long to grow in your knowledge and understanding. Because the more you do, the more it corrects you and the more it changes you. Look at how the New Living Translation reads it. Just all scriptures inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what's wrong in our lives, corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what's right. So we grow in that word. We live in a culture that thinks that you call out, you call something sin, then you're intolerant. Correction is not meant to be seen as hate. It's meant to be seen as grace. And, and when we, we need that kind of grace that identifies sin and leads us to repentance. And that's why Jesus told us, pray for strength and temptation. Pray that God, pray that God will strengthen you before the temptation comes, not in the moment of temptation. So that he can help you. Your growth in prayer is forming a reliance in you on God. And to give you grace to say no to temptation and yes to him. But think about this, that Jesus put in his prayer that you need to pray for forgiveness. Jesus knew we were going to mess up often. But it also means that his grace is constantly there. It's constantly there. There is, however, a condition. A condition that he expounds on a little bit more. If you were to keep reading in this section after what Pastor Caleb read for us this morning, verses 14 and 15, he explains the importance of that. That if we refuse to forgive others, God can't forgive us. In other words, unforgiveness is a roadblock to God's forgiveness. Again, we live in a culture that wants to cancel or attack rather than show grace. But if we're learning through our prayer life and our spiritual formation, the values of God 
and his kingdom, then we're learning that it means to realize that being forgiven means that I am to be forgiving. And I understand it's one thing to give God your sin. And it's another to giving the sin of someone who hurts you. But both are an act of faith. Receiving grace should compel us to give grace and live in grace. We rely and we trust on God's grace. It's like the hymn says, grace has brought me safe this far and grace will lead me home. So what do we see that Jesus is teaching us through this prayer? A desire to cherish and cultivate our relationship with the Father. A reorientation of our life around God's kingdom, his purposes, understanding the sovereignty of God. A total, complete dependence on God. And to be a people who receive, give, and rely on the grace of God. Real quick, as we close. Jesus, James, the brother of Jesus, he has this small little sentence in his letter that is so powerful. It's in James chapter 4 where we see it. And he says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Prayer is vital in our ongoing transformation in Christ and our growth in him. It's so important. We need this prayer. We need prayer in our life. And prayer is not something that Jesus did or told us to do just to give us some other exercise to do in our faith. It's not something that he gave us as just a, a, something to put on our to-do list. Prayer was given to us to show and to say, when you love God, you want to be in relationship with it, your father. Talk to your father. Grow in that. And the more you grow in him, the more you talk to him, the more you spend time with him, the more you see that transformation begin to take place in your life. How much do you love to pray? I think that's the question that we should ask ourselves today as we conclude. But I do want to say, you know, for anyone that's never, that hasn't began a relationship with the Father and accepted Christ, you just believe that Jesus died on a cross for you. He is who history says he is. That the word of God says he is. And he gave his life and he took the punishment of sin for you and you acknowledge that. And you say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for my sins and for forgiving me. And as you do that, your salvation is in him. But it's about also, Jesus says, taking up your cross and following him. And that's beginning to walk and journey with the Father. And a great place to start is what Jesus taught in his prayer. As odd as it is, even if it starts with just a couple of minutes a day, you just begin to express words to your Father.
But in all of it, remember, you're a child of love. He loves you. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He loves you. He longs to be in a relationship with you. And as we sing in that song, as we're going to sing again, it's quoting the words of Paul in Romans. Nothing can separate you from that love. The mess ups, the mistakes, nothing can separate you from that love. So just draw close to God and he'll draw close to you. You're a child of love. He found you through the cross. You found him through the cross and express that joy that you have in him and grow your relationship with the father and just begin to live a life that says, I long to pray. Stand with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you teach us in your word. We thank you, Jesus, for the life that you exemplified for us. We thank you that that you showed us this isn't something you just taught us and said you need to do this. This is something that you would do. You would pull yourself away from the crowds and you would spend time praying to the Father. God, help us to have a desire in our life every day to cultivate that relationship with you, our Father. We are grateful that even in our sin, you didn't wait on us to become good to save us. Jesus gave his life even with us as sinners but he gave it so that we can have new life. And so we are thankful today that who we once were, we no longer have to be because of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And help us today to realize we are a child of that love. And help us to realize today that in us is a spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, so that we desire to grow and love our Father be in relationship with our Father. And that nothing can separate us from that. So we thank you for it today. We love you. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you're, if today's a day for you that you want to begin a journey for Christ, tell someone. Don't walk out of here on your own. Tell someone. Tell one of us. In fact, you can text. They can put a word up on the screen. Text the word hope to the number that they put up on the screen. We'll, we'll start a journey with you. We want to walk with you in your faith and in your, in your walk with Christ. If you need prayer, you can text the word prayer to that same number. Or you can come find one of us down here. We'll pray with you after church. God bless you. You are a child of love. You're a child of God. Go be a catalyst for that transformation this week. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccanbin.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.
If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great day.